watching my internet how many's been receiving something from this heartbreak warfare series amen I know the majority's not raising their hands but I know you've been broken hearted at least once remember second grade Remember, little girl didn't like you and you liked her you thought your world was over but I mean no, it wasn't and time and time again you thought you were in love and it was puppy love then you grew up and they bite but he heals and you know I've been thinking you know uh, we've been sharing records and all that and last week y'all scared me I put on Patsy Cline pieces and everybody went to pieces I mean y'all were singing that song and so I started thinking you know when Jonah not Jonah Job lost his house his kids seven kids at one time everything he owned his wife came to him and says, won't you curse God? Why keep your integrity? Why don't you curse God so that he can just kill you too? And I figured, you know what? That's the type of woman I could picture putting on Patsy Cline, opening a beer and having a cigarette in the same hand. And so I figured, you know, that's what Patsy Cline, that's what Job's wife would have did. But Job was of a different spirit. This is what the record, because how many know when you're down, you go get music to kind of how you feel? I believe this is what Job would have put on. can just feel the atmosphere change the difference between putting something that ministers to the natural man and something that ministers to the soul of man the spirit of man and the only thing that can get you by when your heart's been broken and you know how much we all love our children and 
losing all seven of them at the same time. Having a wife who's not going to encourage you, who wishes you would have died also, and you're there full of boils, and she's not taking care of you. You feel alone. You, you give up. You want to quit. But we're going to see what the Word says in this when we get to these areas heartbreak. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, do you see what all of this means? Talking about those in Hebrews 11. All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better go with it. We need to get up and go with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no periodic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The finish in and with God. He could put up with, look, look at this. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. You know the heartbreak. You know the hurt. You know the rejection. You know all that Christ went through. But he could put up with it all along the way, whatever it was. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. He made it through. When you find yourselves flagging in faith... Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility, look at this, that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many are thankful for a car that can get up and go? I mean, when, you're, when that light's turning yellow, how many are thankful for a car that can get up and go? I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you need that extra boost, thank God you got that extra boost. I mean, I don't have a battery car yet, but I tell you what, it'd be hard to ride a moped when you've already been on a Harley. How many of you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, you want some get up and go. And this is what this is saying. You've got to learn to plow, plow through and push through emotions and plow through the pieces that want to keep tearing you apart. I mean, it would have been so easy for Christ to call 10,000 angels to rescue him from the cross, but he didn't. He plowed through. It would have been so easy to use his authority when they came to arrest him, and the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, fell backwards on their backs. And he could have just destroyed them right there, but he didn't. When he was kissed by Judas, an angel could have done him through with, and no, he didn't. He held it back. He humbled himself. He plowed through. And there's something about what he's telling us here about plowing through. And we saw last week in Isaiah that we don't quit from going farther than we were before. It's so easy just to feel like, you know, I've been here. I've tried. I've gone to here before. And I keep failing. And instead of going forward, I feel like I'm going backwards. And for every two steps, I feel like I'm going back five steps. And it's just saying here, continue to study about Jesus. He's one who went through it all and he made it through. And he made it through for us. And he's encouraging us to have that faith to believe God to go to another level because, you know, what we go through, what we've done, who we are, what we've done, I told you before, that doesn't define us. I was thinking about the prodigal son. Once he came back home, the father dropped the word and the title prodigal and just called him son. And somebody asked me the other day, what type of people do you have in your church? I said, well, I, I usually say, what, ex-drug addicts, ex-prisoners, uh, got some ex-strippers. God, and, and, and it X this and that, and it's true. But the thing about it is, is that once they get born again, those titles are buried forever. And now, and now they're just a daughter and a son of God. 
There's no X this, X this, or X that. They're just sons and daughters of the Most High God. I mean, when the father introduced his prodigal son, he never called him prodigal son again. He just called, this is my son. He just calls you his daughter. He just calls you his son. But how many of you know that when you're going through different things, so, you've got to plow through that condemnation, that shame, that guilt. You've got to plow through, I'm not worthy. You've got to plow through, I'm an embarrassment. You've got to plow through that, that how can God love me after all that I've done. And yet you've got to plow through those things. And you have to plow through even the opinions and the titles that people put on you. And I use example here about David and him and his men. We won't read all of this. In, in 1 Samuel 30, you got it in your devotions also, and, I mean in your bulletins. But they came back and they found all their city burnt and they found their children uh, taken. And look what it says in verse 4. It says, then David and his men with him lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. How many have ever cried and you can't cry anymore? I mean, you have just, just cried your heart out. And, and you're still doing the breathing, but no tears, you've, no more tears. I mean, you're just in pain. You're in that raw pain. You're just wondering, how am I going to live through this? How am I going to make it? How, God, I, 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 if, if I'm going to live, you're going to have to rescue me. Just that hurt and that pain. And of all things, you know how it is when we, about a child. I mean, when they're living, we would do anything for them. We would stand up for them. We'd go the extra mile for them. We'd rescue them time and time again. I mean, there is nothing like the love of, of a child and for a child. And, and here we see that their children were taken captive and they cried till they couldn't cry anymore. And it says in verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of all of them were bitterly grieved. They were brokenhearted. And each man for his sons and daughters, look at there, it says, but, but David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. How many of you know that when you're alone and when you feel like, how am I going to make it? David encouraged himself. His children were taken like the other children were taken. He was feeling the same pain. But how many of you know so many times you're going to go through your pain and there's not always going to be somebody there to help you encourage you through it. And the, in, it's in that pain. It's in the, I'm going to say this way. I mean, it's when you take your shoes off and you're in that raw pain and that raw confusion. Have you ever used the word why? And it just comes from deep down and you're going, why has this happened? Why did this happen to my child? Why did this happen to my wife, my husband? Why am I going through this? And just the raw why. And how many of you know, God is father enough to take us in our raw honesty. I don't understand this, Father, but you can go before God, and he will not kill you. A bolt of lightning will not hit you because you go to God asking him why. He's the one we run to in the time of need. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. Hallelujah. We don't always, and we can't always be perfect before God. But just because I'm not perfect is not going to keep me from his throne. I am blood washed. Thank God. I'm redeemed by Christ. But just because I'm not perfect at the moment will keep me from going before him and say, I'm not going to make it without you. This is hurting. This is destroying me. Because many times what we're going through is to try to pull us away from God. And that's the worst thing to do is stop reading the word. Put the Bible on the shelf. Stop listening to worship. Stop listening to teaching. Stop going to church. Well, you know what? I'm just hurting too bad to go to church. Then you really need to go to church. You know, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. It don't work. That's when you really need to read your Bible. Amen. So you have to go on. And I want to read Hebrews 11. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's 40 verses. 
So anyway, refill your coffee after church and then go on. But listen, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to look at some certain things here. And of course, it's so important to say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't see it yet, but I believe God for it. For by it, say with me, by it. By faith, by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And we're going to look at the lives of these broken-hearted people. We call them the patriots, and we call them the heroes of faith. But when we look at them, they were broken, hurt people. But yet they dared to believe God. And he goes, by faith we understand the worlds were framed and by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things that were visible. And it starts off here, by faith Abel. He obtained a good reputation, a good name. But listen, think about Abel. He was murdered and he, he was short-lived. He only lived a little while, but he lived long enough to have had a good reputation and make a good name and be accepted before God. I want to share this with you. You might have got married and it didn't last long. You may be here today and you said, you know, I did everything I could. Am I guilty because I got married? Is my life over because I got married and marriage didn't work and only lasted a little while? And is God able to forgive me? Listen, you did everything you could. You tried winning him to the Lord or her to the Lord. You tried telling them about Jesus. You lived the life before them, but they didn't want to live for Christ. And you didn't know that when you got married. And some people here, many of you today, you're here divorced and you feel like, do I have a second chance? The Lord says, by the grace and mercy, he makes all things new and he's the God that restores you. You might have started a business and it started and then it ended in failure. And you think, I'm just a failure. No, what you did and who you were doesn't define who you are now in Christ. And it goes on to talk about, look, Enoch walked with God. And then verse 7, it says, by faith Noah. I mean, can you think about Noah? 120 years building a boat where there never been rain. Can you imagine every day people coming by? Well, Noah, is it going to rain today? And I mean, listen, these people didn't have electric saws, guys. They didn't have chainsaws. Everything was done by hand. I mean, they built this boat the size of four football fields. They did it all by hand. It took them over 100 years. And it says he preached every day while they built it. Do you know the heartache he went through? The rejection? The, the mocking? And then, do you know the heartbreak that when you finally get in the, the ark, God closes the door, the floods come, and you hear your loved ones beating on the side, please let me in, let me in, and you can't rescue them? And you know they're going to drown and they're going to die? And he goes on to talk about in verse 8, by faith Abraham, he obeyed to leave his house and home to go and dwell in a tent. You know how it is when you have to leave home, you have to leave where you are, you, you have to leave someplace that you feel like you have roots, and, and you get up and you go by faith and the heartache of that. Verse 11 says, by faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive a child. Ninety years old, bearing all of those years, being ridiculed and mocked by, by the handmaiden and everything that she went through, but she kept believing God. It goes on to say in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was told to sacrifice and burn his only son. And yet he was willing to do that. And God counted it righteousness. And, and he believed God would have raised him up. Verse 20. It says. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now listen about. Here's Isaac. God gave him his wife. They fell in love. Uh, they, they conceived. But these two boys fought in the womb all the time. And when they were birthed. When Esau came out, Jacob grabbed his heel. They fought in the womb. They fought coming out of the womb. And they fought for the rest of their life. I think that's why they only had two. 
I mean, who wants more kids if it's like that? I mean, they just fought continually. And they're heartbreaking to see your youngest son have to run away. And you were lied to. You were betrayed. You were misled. You were deceived. And there's Isaac living with all this pain. And then it goes on to say, in verse 21, it says, And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, here's Jacob. His kids were always causing trouble. Jacob went through a lot. Jacob had to work seven years for his first wife. And then when he woke up the next morning from his honeymoon, it was the wrong woman. It was her sister. I mean, how many of that's a heartbreak? Work seven years for who you want, and you wake up, and, and it's the one that's called the bird or the old crow or something like that. Anyway, and so the father-in-law says, you want to marry the right one? Work for me another seven years. And he mistreated him and all kind of stuff. He went through 14 years for the woman he wanted. And then she ended up stealing idols from her dad and getting cursed. He couldn't have any kids for years. I mean, it was just like one disaster after another. But he kept believing and trusting God. And then he was told his son was killed and Joseph, all that he went through. And then verse 23, it says, by faith Moses, when he was born his parents had to hide him he grew up knowing who his mother was but he had to treat his stepmom and stepdad like they were his real parents and then verse 24 it says when he became of age he refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter and he chose to live the reproach with his people then uh, the people of god than with egypt and when you think of this you think of things in your past well you know if i would have married him my life would have been different if i would have stayed on that job even though they were deceiving and my heart was telling me to quit if if i would have stayed with that job that company I would be promoted I would be working here if I would have overlooked all the stuff they were doing on the job I would have already been making this much money but because I, I reported it and because I quit my job because I couldn't take what they were doing because of my convictions look at this look where I'm living now and it's all of these could have beens would have beens and everybody think about what I could have did and it says in verse 27 by faith he forsook Egypt he forsook the, the world to live the way of God and the sprinkling of blood and, and then it goes on to say in verse 30 it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they encircled. In verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish. Can you believe? Here's this woman, they call it harlot. And can you imagine the pain and the suffering she lived through? I mean, living in this pagan city, being treated all kind of way by different men, being not received by other women, being looked down upon. What do you do for a job? Well, you know, I'm a harlot. I mean, every day just living that type of life. But all of a sudden, here comes the warrior of Joshua. She fi he finds her. She hides them. And, and he promises her that she's going to live. They end up getting married. And this woman, the Rahab, the harlot, ends up being the descendant of David, of Ruth, and of Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? God can take what seems to be nothing and make it something. Hallelujah. And then it goes on to say about what can we say more about Gideon? Gideon, when God appeared to him and said, I'm going to make you a mighty warrior, he says, we're poor. We don't have anything. I'm nothing. And then Barak, when he was told he was a great captain to go to war, he says, I'm not going without a, that woman uh, to be my mama. And then Samson, you know the trouble he had in Jephthah. And then David and Samuel and all of these. It says they obtained the promises, stopped the mouths of lions. It goes on to say they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, can I hear an amen? Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. But then look what it says. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two, tempted, slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world is not worthy. And they wandered in caves and deserts and mountains and dens. They wandered in all these places. Can you imagine living a lifestyle like that, but yet keeping the faith and running the race? Regardless of the present circumstances. Now that's faith. I mean, so easy. We read about Christ. Don't give in and quit. But it's so easy. When things don't start working right, well, you know, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up no matter what. You look at Joseph. He, he was thrown in the pit by his brothers. He was uh, betrayed by his family, lied on, falsely accused, held captive, held back, sold out forgotten promises broke but yet the bible says don't grow weary in well-doing he got out he was second in command of all of egypt how many know there's a promise of god for your life but there's going to be some circumstances to come before you to see if you're going to keep running or not how many are planning on keeping running amen now look at this psalms 55 verse 12 david says for it was not an enemy that reproached me then i could have borne it Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was you, mine equal, my guide, my mentor, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company, arm in arm. And then look at this, verse 20. And this, look at this attitude. And this, my best friend, my husband. This, my best friend, my wife. This, my best friend, we've been friends since we were kids, betrayed his best friends. Look at this. His life betrayed his word. He told me he was going to love me and me only. His life betrayed his word. All my life, look at this, I have been charmed by his speech. He said I was the only one. He said that he'll love me forever. She said that she'll always be faithful to me. And all my life, I've been charmed by his speech, never dreaming He'd turn on me. His words, which were music to my ears, turn into daggers in my heart. His words, he, he knew how to smooth talk. Young ladies, watch these guys who smooth talk. Watch these guys who know how to sing that rap to you and tell you how awesome you are, how beautiful you are. And they're just going to smooth talk you because you've got to know whether they're really serving God or not because they're turning around. And those words that seem so good now are turn on you, turn daggers in your heart. There's many here that can say amen to that. But thank God it says in verse 22, cast your word, burdens, your wounds, and your pain on the Lord and he will sustain you. And he'll never permit the righteous to be moved. Amen. Listen, but I want you to hear today to understand this. It says that Jacob and Rachel would, would re refuse to be comforted. And I looked up that word refused, and it means I have a wound that has no cure, and I'll die in my grief. Even Christians who are born with hope in Christ, and they're born again, you can hear them talk like, I'll just, I'll, I'll just die like this. I'll never get over this. I'll never get over him. I'll never get over her. I'll never get over what they've done to me. 
I'll never be able to live a life that's worth anything because of what I did to myself. I, I, when I close my eyes, I see, the pic, I see the images of my children that I left behind. When I close my eyes, I see the wife or the husband that I cheated on and I lost. When I close my eyes, I see the job and the things I had, but I lost it because of gambling or this and that and the other. And so many times we live these lives and we see these things and, and we refuse to be comforted. I'll have this womb. There is no cure. I'll die in my grief. And so many people feel that way here in Psalms. 77, 7 through 12, it says, Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? In his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious to me? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? How many have ever felt like that? But then look what it says. And I said, this is my fate. This is my life. I did this to myself. This is, I was abused. I didn't ask for this. What, what's going on with my life? This is my fate. This is my life. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But look what it says in verse 11. David could never stay there. But, somebody shout out but. Then I will recall all that you have done, O Lord. I will remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts and I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. I want to talk to you about just keeping on running the race no matter what. And one of the things I want to bring to your attention, we read about those in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And we read in chapter 12 how they are in this Colosseum watching. And you read about these people. Listen, they didn't have a, they didn't have a group therapy. They didn't have counseling. They didn't have pills. They didn't have prescriptions. They didn't have hot water. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have cars. They had to walk everywhere they went. They lived in dusty, dirty caves and tents. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have TV. They didn't have a TV. Uh, they didn't have a church on every corner. These people didn't have any of the conveniences you and have, you and I have, but they made it. They didn't have a telephone to pick up and say, I need you to pray for me. I need counseling. I need this and that. They didn't have none of that, but they made it. And not only did they make it, the Bible says that they are sitting around in this huge coliseum. And it says, seeing then, and God opens the window of heaven so we can get a revelation. That we are is surrounded by this coliseum of all those who's gone before us. And they're up there in heaven. And they're watching you, and they're calling you by name, and they're cheering you on. I mean, there's Elijah, there's Moses, there's Elisha, there's all those before you. They say, look, come on, you can do it. Don't you dare give up. Becky, get up and run, run, Becky. And they're telling you, Mark, Mark, don't give up. I know you lost your job, but I'm going to give you a better job. Hey, come on, come on, A-Bear. A-Bear, you can do it. I'm your number one fan. And they're calling, and they're, they're, you can't hear it. But the Bible says they're doing it. And they're all up there, and they're shouting, and they're telling you to go. And I'm telling you what, heaven is not behind us as far as technology. They all have iPads. And they have not Facebook, but heaven book. And you know what? I can picture. There's Moses, and, he, and he's watching Cody do something for Jesus today. And he, he writes, Cody just told somebody that he loves the Lord. And all of a sudden, Moses presses like. And Elijah presses like. 
And David presses like. And all of a sudden, they write this, and all these people start pressing like. And before you know it, I mean, my wife just had a birthday, and she had like 60, 70, 80 people put like, 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 like. But in heaven, there's millions of people pressing like, like, like. And Cody don't even know them, but they've gone ahead, and they're saying, listen, we didn't have the conveniences we had, y'all had, but you complained more than we did because we had faith in a God that was unmovable and unshakable, and we took God at his word. And if we can run this race and make it, you can run this race and make it. Come on, we're, we're rooting for you. You can do it. You can make it. Don't you give up. You get up and run. You get up and run. And listen, it's not only those of Hebrews chapter 11 and all those in the word of God. There's also your forefathers. I can hear my mom and dad. They got a, their, their fingers for me too. And they're going, come on, son. You can do it. You can run. You can make it. And mom and dad, they're hollering for me. My grandparents, my great-grandparents. But listen, you know who else is up there? Our forefathers. There's George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. You know what they're doing? They're hollering for the church right now. Don't you dare give in. We have paid a price for this nation. Come on. You know, they're saying, don't you dare give in. In fact, I can hear George Washington. I paid a price for this to be a Christian nation. And I don't care who's calling it a non-Christian nation. This is a Christian nation. And, and, and you know what else I can hear George Washington say? Don't you dare, church, don't you dare let go of the Constitution. God gave us that Constitution for you. And don't you dare let go of that Constitution. Don't you let them take prayer out of schools. Don't you let them take away the Word of God. And don't you let them take your guns. You need all the clips you can get. Come on. Come on. Do you realize our forefathers paid a price, lost everything for us to have the rights we have today? And I'm going to tell you this. And I hope you don't get offended, anybody, on the internet or here, but we're not politically correct, so take it. But I hear George Washington saying this, and Abraham saying it, amen, high-fiving, pressing like two. But I heard this. This is coming from me. George Washington is saying, if I could outlive and outrun the king of England and the fiercest army of the time, you can outdo Obama. You can put up with Obama. Our forefathers did not get together for a baby-killing president. Our forefathers did not get together to take away our guns. In fact, they said everybody ought to have guns. Our forefathers came together, established on the Word of God, and they're up there in heaven with Elisha and the rest of them, and they're going, don't you quit fighting. Don't you shut up. Don't you give up. I never once gave the king of England a thought, don't worry about Obama and the little man next to him and everybody else. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and don't be shook up over that. Think about all the pioneers, all the settlers, the pilgrims. They're all in that circle. And they're all, come on, come on, come on. But I tell you what I keep in my mind. And few people have seen it before. Jesus 
is rooting for me. And when I'm preaching, and when I'm praying, and I feel down, you see, I'm Jesus. And when I feel like I just want to give up, Jesus isn't, way to go, my son. He's got a finger too. And he's got rust written on it. And he's going, come on, boy, preach my word, preach my name, preach my blood. Come on, preach it, preach it, preach it. Don't you be intimidated by man. Don't you be a people pleaser. Don't you be politically correct. And you see, I, so many times, you know, like the more y'all clap, the more y'all cheer me on, the more I want to preach, the louder I want to get, I want to jump down, I want to run. I'll be the great cloud of witnesses. But listen. But the worship team feels the same way. And so many times they want to leave worship. And it's like, what's wrong with the people? Didn't they have their coffee? I mean, we were worshiping Jesus this morning. Where is everybody? But the thing about it is, is that there are millions of angels with their fingers too. And there's all the hosts of heaven. And they're jumping up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus is doing a little jig. Hallelujah. And David's going, go, 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 go. I mean, all of heaven is rejoicing and shouting, do you hear me today? You got to get an image of that. You got to give an image of that. You've been clean. You've been free. You've been fighting. You've been praying. You've been giving. You've been fasting. You've been going. I want, I'm proud of you. Go, go, go. Don't give up. Don't give up. If those who had it harder than you made it to the end. They didn't get to Facebook. Y'all pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. They didn't have that. What Daniel was with kitties, lions. You're a kitty, kitty. He couldn't Facebook. Oh my God, people pray. And I mean pray. I mean. Ah! Ah! That's how we act. Please pray, pray now, pray now. What's wrong? My dog's got worms. I got a flat tire. I don't feel good. I don't feel appreciated. I don't have a ministry. And now everybody having, stop complaining, worship the king, put your eyes on Jesus. Look at everything he's done. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get excited about him. Oh, I ran out of time again this Sunday. I was supposed to be shorter this Sunday. But listen, I got I to tell you this. I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. It says in Hebrews, put off the sins and the weights. Both of those words mean distractions. Weights. And they mostly refer to people. And I gotta tell my sister something in the house today. I have some of them tell me, and they've asked me this Pastor, I've been dating this guy for two years. He don't, he don't buy me a meal, he comes eat my food. No, I'm telling you. He comes to my house, eats my food, and I work hard for my money. He don't, I said, in two years, has he ever took you out? No. Has he ever brought any groceries? No. He's dead weight. How can you run? How can you run your race and you got Foutois who give you the free seas on your back 
and he's on the back and he's holding on and he wants you to carry him. Listen, there's some people you're going to have to let go of if you're going to run your race. There's some dead weights, some beat down. Listen, if you're helping somebody and three jerks don't get them up, leave them. Come on, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, you're dead. Forget it. I mean, sometimes, listen, some people are dead weight. I'm telling you this, my sisters, I love you. But don't be stupid. Pastor, I'm even giving him the goods. Well, you double stupid. Not only are you carrying a dead beat, you're a fornicator. Oh, no, that got quiet. Why'd y'all get quiet? Man, we've been together five, six years, and I still ain't got a finger on it, a ringer on it. I still ain't got a ringer on my finger. Why are you with him? I don't know. You knew deliverance. Get rid of that dead beat. Look, if he don't know he's in love with you after just three months or dates, kisses, in public with the lights on. <laughs> Leave him. Leave her. Dead weights. Well, they're my family. And every time I get with my family, they just bring me down, Pastor. Well, get you a new family. You know, they'll start passing it around, Pastor. And, you know, it's like the peace pipe. We all got to take a smoke, you know. <laughs> you know, we all got <laughs> grandpa's medicine, you know. We got to, I mean, you know, come on. You can't run your race with deadbeats. Now, I'm not telling you to divorce your husband and your wife. I'm just telling you, if you're dating somebody and they, they're not treating you like a lady, I asked this lady, I said, does he open the door for you? Oh. Okay, when he comes eat your food, what does he do? Does he help you at least cook? No, he lays on the couch. And my sister hearing me, I love you, and I'm not telling who you are, but I love you. And I know she wouldn't mind because we talk about all... Well, we used to talk about it. She left that deadbeat. It's enough of you eating my fried chicken. Bless God. Amen. Deadbeats. Dead weight. Slowing you down. Being a people pleaser. Look at this. Look what Paul said. You were running the race so well. Who? Who? Well, he's a Christian. He's, a, he's an idiot. He's touching what don't belong to him. He's stealing from you. He's a deadbeat and a deadweight. Somebody on the internet needs this. You're too good to be used. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. He can't touch you unless he's got papers. Listen to me. Holy Ghost. Man, I must have ate some cornbread and spinach. <laughs> Holy Ghost has papers on you. Lamb's book of life. So he has a right to touch you. 
Come on. But that man or that woman that ain't your mate, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, ain't got no right, ain't got no papers, is sin, weighing you down, and you'll never get where you need to get God is playing. You're going around, pray for me. I want the anointing. I want to get what all God, God has for me. Not as long as you're tied to that. Unhook to the mule and hook to the horse from heaven and get some places going. You are running your race so well. Who has held you? Ain't no man worth it. Ain't no woman worth it. Ain't no job worth it. Ain't no family worth it. He who gives fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters for my sake shall inherit in this life and the life to come the riches of the kingdom of God. Who's held you back from following the truth? It's the truth, baby. It certainly isn't God. Well, I guess it's what God. It ain't God. The one who has called you to freedom. I love the word weariness. It means to have a sense of your pleasure exhausted and your enjoyment robbed. There's more than half right there. Ain't got no more joy. Can't even work up a smile. Why is everybody happy? Why is everybody laughing? I'm miserable. You're weary. And Paul says, what and who is weighing you down? Who's pulling you down? It's time to get up, get God's strategy, run this race, and win this race. And I want to tell somebody as I end, and I want you to get your communion cups, I want to tell you something. If it's been extra, extra, extra hard for you lately, it's because you're closer to the finish line of the test you're in. You always want to quit before crossing the line. It always get hardest, hardest and tiredest when you're close to the finish line. But oh, when you love running and you get that second wind. And there's Paul and there's John and there's Jesus and there's all the saints of old. And they've got your name on their finger and they're just... Come on, go, go. Yeah, you can do it. And there's a roar in heaven. And like, we know you can do it. We did it. My wife believed God for 90 years. And if my wife could believe for 90 years, Abraham is saying, you can believe three, four, five, six, eight years. Don't you quit believing. If I could believe God to provide in the wilderness for 4 million people, you can believe God that he'll provide for your family. I mean, they're shouting their testimony. Their testimonies are still alive. That's why God wrote them down in Hebrews chapter 11. And then those after them have come and continue to shout out, if we made it, you can make it. And so the Holy Spirit is saying today, you are in a race. Don't quit. Go, don't get get distracted don't get weighed down get on that race and run because like Jesus he saw the throne and once I get there I'm going to receive what's coming to me and I want to hear well done thou good and faithful servant you have ran your race you refused to quit you kept the faith you kept your eyes on Jesus whenever you were down you went and looked at what Jesus went through you never been pressed like he was you never went through what he was you never was tested like he was you were never tempted like he was but he was always tempted as you are as such as common to man but he made it through and they're shouting he made it through we made it through you're going to make it through don't give up don't quit don't let people distract you just keep your eyes on Jesus can I hear an amen would you stand with me please we've been taking communion every week this month 
Because I know the one he's called you, he's called you to freedom. And I know he came to set the captives free. And I know he's come to heal the brokenhearted. I know he's come to bring deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set in liberty them that have been held back. That night Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. Just break your way from it. He was broken for all that breaks you, that has broken you. All your brokenness, all your pain, all the pieces of your life. He says, I give my life to be broken in the place of your brokenness. He says, take this bread as often as you do in remembrance of me. We stand together on this fourth message of healing the brokenhearted. And today, once again, Father, I thank you for completing your work and going even deeper. There are those who have been leaving here talking to me and they, they feel so raw, so open. The band-aid, the bandages, the cast has been removed. But it has to be removed. Things had to be said because the wound has to be seen so it can be made whole by the master physician. So we take this bread. I take your brokenness, Jesus, for mine. And I receive your wholeness in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread. Praise God for the blood. As we take this cup today, we thank you, Jesus, for your blood that makes a new covenant. Signed, sealed, and ratified by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said to take this cup in remembrance that we are purchased and we are belong to him. So, Father, we thank you right now that we honor your son and the blood. And we take your blood for our healing, sanctification, justification, and completed work of redemption. We take it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Before we close, we got to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, you don't know if you would die right now, if you'd go to heaven or hell, we want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand right there where you are saying, I need Jesus into my life right now. I need salvation. I need healing. I need freedom. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right there. Maybe you've known him. God bless you, sir. There's one hand already. Maybe you're here today. There's two more hands. God bless you. Maybe you've known him, but you've wandered away from him, and you want to come back to him. If that's you, raise your hand right now. There's another hand in the back. God bless you. There's a hand right here. God bless you, sir. Anyone else, you want to give your life or rededicate your life? God bless you, sir. I see your hand back there. Glory. Glory. Anybody else today? Anybody else? This is not about religion. This is not about a denomination. This is about the life that Jesus came to give you.